are live. Hey, Hello. what's up? My uh, furthest reaching guest, uh, all the way from down under. Uh, if you can't tell from his accent, <laughs> he hasn't said anything yet. But definitely be able to tell from my accent. <laughs> yeah. Um, Molly, Molly, like the country Molly. Bali. Yes, is that right? <laughs> That's right. It's yeah, Marley. Like I, I found that um, Americans tend to like to say my name like Marley. Marley. Uh, Marley. Um, I, but, I no, said, Marley I said, like Bali. That works well. Yeah, I say Mally for a long time, and um, yeah, I just let those things slide. To be honest, <laughs> most of the time, everyone everyone says Mally if they see my name spelt like M A L I. It's just Mally. Yeah. 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 Anyway, let's uh, talk about you, who you are, what you do, all that good stuff, how we met. So cool. um, you are father of a two-year-old, a new unexpected, yes, coming soon to a yeah. theater near you. March. <laughs> Not far um, away at all. Founder of Fuel Move Think. Yes, you got the shirt Heck on, yeah. got the sign I in do. the back. Got the banner, I even got the shorts on. I'm there you go. Ball. Full, full. I just have this, not my actual brand shirt. Um, I love it. So it's a cool shirt. If anyone gets this reference, too, bonus points for that. So uh, those listening, since this is also going to go on the podcast, uh, you'll have to go and check out the video. But uh, anyway, Bo Jackson is the reference. Bonos. It was a commercial mm -hmm. thing. Don't know if you got that down under in Australia. Yep. Straight over there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know who Bo Jackson is? I, I look. I know the name, but I wouldn't insult you by telling you that I know right. anything That's about fine. him. That's <laughs> fine. As an American, our main um, knowledge of Australia's celebrities is like Crocodile Dundee. So that's fair. That's our main knowledge of celebrities as well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and uh, what's that? the the Land Down Under song uh, by is it Men at Work? Yes. Yeah. Great song. So that's that's it. That's all I got. And that's you know Vegemite. Vegemite. That's about yeah, it. Anyway, Tim what Tim's? else? We got? I've heard of that. I don't know what it is. That's a sweet. It's a sweet thing. I need to send you a care package. I think <laughs> um, Tim Tams. Yeah, they're like a chocolate biscuit. Okay, food. I think I've and, um, seen it. You I've can never do something called a Tim Tam Slam, where you bite the, the diagonal edges of the biscuit and then you drink your drink through it and then eat the biscuit. And it's a it's a, an Australian delicacy. Okay. So a little like Oreo. You're familiar with the Oreo? Yeah, we've got Oreos. You got Oreos. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we've anyway. got all your stuff. You just don't have it. We don't have yours. <laughs> there, was a, there was a popular YouTube series where they would do that, like, you know, snacks from around the world and like right. you would try stuff from wherever. Uh, anyway, back to you, sir. <laughs> we could probably go into random uh, things I don't know about Australia for 200, Alex. Very sad yeah, he just passed away. Anyway. Less tangents, more focus. So, fuel move thing. Right. We'll talk about that yeah. a little bit later. Uh, sure. You are also an occupational therapist. Correct. Yes, OT. Yeah. Uh, we'll come on that. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit, and uh, then what was the other bit? Uh, oh, you're also a performing artist, right? So you've been in some productions. I mean, you, you, amateur. Amateur. Yes. Yes. Amateur. Definitely not professional. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. On that journey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're in kinky boots. Uh, yes. a local, was it a local production of Kinky Boots? It was. Yeah, That's local we'll production okay. here in Albury. The man is 
many talents. He is multi-talented. So let's circle back to how you and I met. Um, and and uh, we'll just, we'll let you run with that. How did we meet? Cool. Well, um, actually, I wanted to start back um, okay. a bit further than that, because it's almost like a, um, a, a journey that took us to how we met. It's not as quite as simple as even maybe maybe you think, because I was thinking about this the other day and um, realized so it all all started back in 2006, I think. Um, so I was, uh, um, yeah, I was a clinically obese teenager. Um, I was 130 kilos at 181 centimeters. Um, so I don't know what that translates to in pounds, et cetera. But, yeah, I'm technically clinically obese. And um, so, you know, I started getting into fitness, things like that, um, got into the gym, started losing weight. Uh, eventually, you know, lost a fair bit of weight, um, had a good, pretty good relationship with food, exercise, all those sorts of things. And um, then got into obstacle racing, still really enjoying everything, uh, got into um, CrossFit, started going really hard at it uh, with CrossFit, loving it. You know, doing, I mean, in local competition stuff, I would do fairly well. Um, then uh, probably, you know, started going uh, a bit too far. You know, I was in a bit of a codependent, not so awesome relationship. Um, and so I guess I was getting a bit obsessive over nutrition and um, my training. So I guess the two things that I could really control. Uh, I went really hard on um, really over-controlling those things and going far too hard on them despite a whole lot of red flags. So create or develop, sorry, really unhealthy relationship with food, which um, sort of looking back on it now, uh, you know, definitely had um, an eating disorder. Um, and I've actually spoken to a dietitian who said that if I had have spoken to them back then, they would have considered it bulimia. Um, although I didn't purge through vomiting, um, I purged through uh, fasting and excessive exercise. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was pretty um, eye-opening, I guess, mm -hmm. to hear that, hear that said out loud considering, you know, I thought I was being, you know, at the time I was super healthy and I was eating really well and I was, you know, looking after myself and all that. Um, at the same time, I, you know, I was training really hard, uh, not really paying a lot of attention to my body. So uh, I was going through a really big squat program. This would have been probably 2017 or maybe 16, late 2016. Um, I started getting some niggly knee pain. Uh, I think it started in my right knee specifically. And then uh, sort of developed in my left as well. I got to a point where before any training session, I would pop a couple of ibuprofen, um, lather my knees up in tiger balm, which I'm not sure if you know what that is, but it's like we, a we have that. heat type. Yeah, yeah. You've got that? Cool. We got that. <laughs> um, in tiger balm and um, chuck the knee wraps on uh, and, and hope that they wouldn't explode. Um, and that was a that was a daily occurrence. Uh, I was going through ibuprofen like it was candy, um, and yeah, I got to the point where 
uh, I was in a good probably six out of ten pain all the time in both my knees. So that was without any sort of exercise, just constant. If I tried to do something as simple as an air squat, um, knees would just feel like they're going to explode. It yeah. would rock it up to a good eight to nine out of ten. So um, sorry, what, what was what was driving you through like like I got to do this squat program? What was that? Just that kind of connection to chasing physical fitness. Uh, so it was, I guess I had, um, so the relationship I was in at the time, um, wasn't, wasn't a particularly healthy one. Um, it was just, and not, not really by anyone's fault. Um, I did a lot of growing, um, sort of towards the end and afterwards. And I just think there wasn't really, um, a match there. Um, you know, it was very, to use the words of, um, and I'll try to say his name right, uh, Michael Kazu and Adi. <laughs> yeah. um, they talk a lot about codependent and co-committed relationships, um, mm-hmm. which I really like. And it's something that um, I'm very happy to, to say and very confident to say that I'm in a co-committed relationship now, whereas I was would say it was a very codependent one uh, back then, very reliant. Um, and I found that um, I just didn't feel in control, wasn't happy. Um, and so the one thing that I could could control, you know, made me feel good. You know, I was making progress. I was, you know, I was silly. I was doing really well in local comps, so I wanted to keep getting right. fitter. I was still, you know, miles away from even a regionals appearance. Right. Um, so, yeah, just really, I guess that that was the one part of my life that I could really um, fully control myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, I mean, even... After that, you know, relationship ended, my uh, food or relationship with food um, definitely improved. Probably still took a little while to, um, I, to, I mean, to get it to where it is now. So three, three, four yeah. years later, I would say that, you know, I'm quite an intuitive eater, um, developed really good habits, really good relationship around food. Um, but with uh, exercise and my knee pain, it even still took me a little while to reach out um, for help with that one. So I was at a gym and I was just asking the coaches, I was like, Oh, you know, what warm ups and cool downs can I do to, to fix my knees? What should I be doing mm-hmm. in workouts and things like yeah. that? And, um, at best it was managing the pain. Um, definitely wasn't improving it. I would, you know, there's pictures of me from that time, my knees, you know, in like neat, casual, clothes um with my knees taped up to the brim in rock Mm. tape Mm -hmm. um so looking back on it i'm like wow like that should have been the biggest red flag um and yeah i I guess i was at one point i can't remember what the tipping point was but i think um we moved so we're living in dubbo at the time we moved back to albury so that's six hours away and um back home where family is and yeah we had a change um, got my own gym stuff. So I wasn't going to a gym anymore. I had the freedom to do whatever I wanted and just went, you know, that's enough. Mm. Um, need to get this better. Oh, no, the tipping point, of course, was um, <laughs> my wife became pregnant with my first oh. son. Um, yeah. And, you know, I decided that I couldn't be the dad that um, I wanted to be with knees that stopped me from being able to walk or mm. squat at age twenty. Eight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, 
that all led me to you. <laughs> Thus, our relationship began. Yes. So then I magically fixed you, and uh, here we are today. That's it. Yeah. No. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much. That was it. <laughs> tell, tell, tell the folks a little bit about uh, the process what, that I took you through, I guess. I don't want to, you know, I'm going to let you uh, raise up my sale here or <laughs> instead. Cool. Of, I'll try really hard not to bastardize what you do. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll jump in if it's necessary, but yeah, no. I, uh, and again, I want I want people to understand this process because uh, again, this was a few years ago that we we connected and we got um, did virtual training before it was the cool thing or the necessary thing that we see yeah. now in these COVID times. So, uh, but I still get a lot of folks uh, concerned that virtual training is not. Uh, the, the, they're not confident that virtual training is going to get them where they need to go, get the, the outcomes that they're looking for. So um, I think a lot of times it's changing wh what we're, you know, what, why we're chasing what we're chasing to your point about earlier, you know, squatting and waiting for your knees to blow up. Um, and, and also understanding that uh, again, if, if you have that motivation of, you know, like I want to be able to squat down to play with my, my son um yeah how do we get you there and and is is it a difficult process you know was it was it a difficult transition all that good stuff so yeah tell us a little about um your experience with going through this and and, and I'll, I'll introduce it as basically the real simple thing we we were able to diagnose it as a tendonitis and we said you know squatting yep. is the thing you want to be, be able to get back to and again a lot of times like you said you, you'll, you'll ask your coaches you'll ask um, even other medical professionals and, you know, stop squatting and, you know, your glutes are weak or we need to get, you know, this strong, that strong. And some of that stuff will work. I'm not trying to poo-poo at all, but uh, the philosophy being let's actually get you to squat with a tempo, very specific program, 12 weeks laid out. We're keeping track of every single session online, which the online platform allows us to do, which I've been doing the online stuff way before it's cool now. Um, so, so bottom line is it's a squat program to directly target those tendons that seem to be the problems, um, and just re fix, reset your squat. So yeah, tell us, tell us what's going on, what happened and what happened, yeah, well, what happened to what next? Yeah. Cool. I'm trying, I'm trying uh, to set it up like a, you know, show thing. I don't know. Working on it. I love it. Act two. Um, cool. Uh, so it's probably worth mentioning then, um, considering uh, you're mentioning about other medical professionals and coaches and things, is that I did actually reach out to a general practitioner, um, which, I mean, knowing what I know now about everything, um, GPs are great. I don't know what they're like in America, but in <laughs> Australia, they're, they're great and they specialize in being generalists. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, his recommendation was to rest. Yeah. Um, which I they're, did do. They're, I, they're, they're concerned that there's nothing more serious. They're they want to keep you alive. They yeah. want to, if they need to refer you to someone else, they'll refer you to someone else. But yeah, for the most part, you know, the medical system is great for keeping us alive. Um, past yeah. that, it, it's a lot of nuance. It's a lot of time that's required. Uh, again, like we said, 12, like just that one program was 12 weeks and checking in five or six times a week. So it's not something that most GPs are able to really, uh, you know, it's not in their wheelhouse. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, like, you know, like I said, he, he was just, you know, have a rest for X amount of time. Don't do the things that hurt. 
you know, all the, all the norm. Uh, I actually did do that for uh, probably a good month, I think. Um, and yeah, the, the knee pain did definitely lessen. Um, but then returning to the things that I want to do, uh, the knee pain returned exactly the same. Uh, reached out to um, a physiotherapist, um, which do you call them physiotherapists or is it just physical therapists? Speaking of which. So <laughs> I think we are the only country in the world, America is the only country yeah. in the world that calls them physical therapists. Um, okay. I'm, I'm just like the metric system, I think uh, we are the only country in the world <laughs> that is not on board with that. Um, but I, I mean, it's it's been a bit of a trend. And I think a lot of folks like me who almost see a negative connotation to physical therapy are using mm. the physiotherapy because they are synonymous. Um, so that's an interesting point, uh, you know, in obviously US based physical physio. Um, he definitely uses that term uh, all the time. And I think we use it again to, to kind of separate ourselves from a little bit of the, the problematic, uh, more traditional physical therapy system here in America anyway. Yep. Yeah, cool. So yeah, went and saw a physio. Um, and that was actually where the rock taping idea came from. Um, the idea was that uh, and the rock tape would form up a teller up, take pressure off the tendon, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I did that for, yeah, a good while. Um, and then that didn't work either. So that brings me to you. Um, started working with Bo and, uh, yeah, we dialed everything all the way back. <laughs> um, so ego got checked immediately. Um, I think we started with um, box squats to what would be, I guess, a 18, 20-inch box, essentially to parallel um, with a squat or to where it would be pain-free, which for me was about there. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was a, um, straight off the bat, it was with an empty bar. Um, and that squat program was with, yeah, 20 kilos of weight. Um, we were doing, I think it was a four down, three up, tempo um mm -hmm. it was it was slow it was light and <laughs> it was hard um yeah. it was hard hard mentally um physically it was hard so you know i i was dialing into how everything felt what everything felt like making sure that everything was tracking right was feeling good uh, so that i could provide all that feedback to yourself um about how it was feeling and that yeah that progression over 12 12 weeks was just, you know, it was the gradual increase in weight, um, playing with rep ranges and um, eventually increasing range as well until right. I'm pretty sure at the end of that 12 weeks, I was um, not squatting huge weights, but um, squatting full depth, pain free, sure. which was. I, I remember full depth and um, yeah. And here, and this, we're at what, like two or three years removed. Oh yeah. Now, yeah, and we're still, we're still working together people if you're wondering how the story yeah. ends. Um <laughs> but you're it's you're hitting you're hitting back squat numbers now, you know, with with a con con consistent uh slow drip, you know, and I always try to analogize it to instant coffee versus, you know, slow drip, really really put the time in or uh, you know, ribs that are are, you know, marinated for 24 hours, that kind of thing. 
um, sure. this, the slower process tends to yield better results. So yeah, the, the more we can slow it down, which again, everyone's like, but I can, I can, I can squat 200 pounds or four, 300 pounds. Um, but it's like, nope, we're starting with 20 kilos. Um, and that's where, yeah, yeah we're going to go. So yeah. And, and, and so the most important thing though, is that at the end of that 12 weeks, like you said, you were doing full range, um, and, and pain free. Yeah. Yep. Um, still, we were still cautious. Like, yeah, we could, you know, controlled tempo squats, pain free. Um, still definitely had niggles with other movements. Um, squat cleans were my nemesis for a really long time and they still make me a little bit anxious, heavy squat cleans. Um, just because the, that was the thing that lasted the most and caused pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we, I mean, I think for a good 12 months, like, so 12 weeks, I guess, was the program that really got me to be pain-free with controlled right. movement. But we, I mean, right. we worked together for a good 12 months. Um, mm-hmm. and I think at the end of that, um, that was when I was confident to essentially do anything, um, within mm-hmm. reason. Right. Um, and it was all pain-free. So that was yeah, amazing considering the pain that I was in, um, like I wouldn't have thought that I could be pain free again. Um, yeah. cause I, I had been in that pain for a while and I, I don't want to like catastrophize it cause there's definitely people in, in worse right. situations than bilateral knee pain. But, right. um, you know, I, d- I was definitely like, man, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a 30 year old dad that, um, it hurts to squat down to pick up his son. And, um, that mm-hmm. was a, that's one hell of a driving factor. I tell you what, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah i will squat yeah. 20 kilo bars for years <laughs> right right <laughs> to deal with that yeah and that's what it is it's it's a lot of folks aren't connected to that why you know start with why simon sinek great book uh but the con just that concept of yeah what's driving you people making new year's goals we're shooting this in uh january 2021 so a bunch of new year's resolutions that most likely have already been failed um statistically speaking I'm just going off of statistics, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's what we, um, what we say is, you know, you gotta, you, you fail to the levels of your systems also. So, and, and Molly did not have, um, <laughs> and now I, now when I say Molly and he didn't know this, we talked about this before is, is a party drug, um, at least here in America. Uh, and, and that also makes me think of Molly Ringwald, if you know her or, uh, no, no, no. she's the eighties, uh, girl, I think red hair. Uh, she was in all the like uh, those romance movies, John Hughes movies. No, nothing, no, not at all. No, sorry. Or, uh, <laughs> or the, the Molly Molly Shannon is the um, what's her name? She did the Saturday Night Live skit, and you know, stick her arms in here and made you sniff. Anyway, no, nothing, nothing, nothing at all. Nothing. I do I'll, apologize. I'll try to I'll try to link to some of those link. below. But I'll anyway, Molly. <laughs> molly it, it it is fun to say anyway um lost my train of thought which is fine which is fine uh <laughs> but bottom line is we got you out of pain i think that um the the takeaway there for me again was was where i was going is yeah it's connecting to that purpose so again a lot of people run to lose weight or to be fit or to be in shape and not really thinking through the long-term process of you know, why am I doing this? Is it really the thing that's going to drive me the most to where I want to be? Um, for you, I, I, again, being a father seems number one. 
uh, being a performing artist. I mean, I don't know if that ranks as number two. Um, and then, you know, he's, he's, uh, for those listening, I don't know, tell us about the race you're doing, um, oh. later this year that we're training for. Is it the, the geo? Geo quest. Yeah. Quest. It's a, um, a 48 hour adventure race based, um, over in the Port Macquarie national park, um, area. It's, um, yeah, it's a, um, three discipline race. So hike, bike, kayak, and, um, yeah, navigation by map and compass. So. I last did it in, uh, six years ago for a, um, a TV show, which if anyone remembers Search for Hurt, um, no, I made a brief appearance on that one. Um, but well, yeah, I, it was... You, you did send me the link one time. That's the only reason I know it, but... Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, um, it was on ESPN. Um, oh, wow. When it, yeah, yeah, it actually, it was a, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call it a big deal, but it was, I mean, it was a big deal for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. uh, uh, so yeah uh doing that one in june yeah um, he, he did invite me to go join him and i said you know if covid uh calms down I, w- I would love to go do it um and take on a physical challenge like that and again that's what the point i'm connecting to that is for me at least and i think for you as well is that pain-free freedom of movement is we can express it in ways like geo uh, quest as well as in CrossFit competitions and doing squat cleans and all this fun stuff for us. But, you know, why do you train is so that I can do all this other fun stuff. Right. Um, yeah. so that, that, that's kind of the, the, I guess, drive home point there. So, um, uh, I did want to move on to occupational therapy and tell us a little bit about, um, yeah, how long you've been practicing, what kind what does that entail? Um, and yeah, how, how does, uh, some of this training that we're doing, tie into being an occupational therapist and maybe what is the difference? And, and I'm happy for those. I think a lot of people don't know the difference between an occupational therapist and a physical therapist. Um, nope. So tell, tell us. <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, so I've been in OT uh, since 2017. So um, I'm not really a, a veteran of the, of the profession yet. Um, I was a bit late to the whole university endeavor. Um, I spent my late teens, early 20s, working in every and any um, job that I possibly could. Um, so, yeah, got, uh, graduated in 2017, um, started working in um, workers' insurance, so workplace injuries, case management, uh, for getting people back to work. Um, I guess the difference, might as well start, the difference between occupational therapy and physical therapy if I'm to go from like you, a you framework. Can physio. You can physio. Uh, sorry, you said it, so it just stuck in my head. Um, <laughs> difference between, the difference between OT and physio is uh, uh, from a framework perspective, I guess, is that, um, and, and I apologize to all the physios out there. I know that the, the <laughs> medical model is, is developing and changing. But OT, is, uh, physio, sorry, is more um, governed by the medical model, I guess. You know, people go to physios because they have a problem that needs to be fixed. Um, and so physios treat issues. Um, they treat injuries, treat issues. Um, and I do know that, you know, part of that, that practice is now becoming more holistic, looking at a person from a more, um, you know, environment relationships, extrinsic intrinsic, intrinsic relationships type thing, which is fantastic. But is, is that OT, what you're seeing? Nope. Is that what you're seeing in Australia for, for physios when you talk about the more holistic approach? Or are you just talking about 
like on Instagram, you happen to be seeing like people practicing that way, like more forward thinking. I'm just, I'm genuinely curious if that's oh, what you see in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely seeing it in, in Australia. And uh, I think I'm not sure what it's like around the world, I guess, but the medical model in general. So even like um, GP, so doctors, surgeons, um, things like that are also looking. Um, the medical model is, is I guess, developing, becoming a lot more holistic, looking at things from a more worldly point of view, I guess, um, which I think is fantastic because, um, yeah, I mean, not to brag, but OT has been doing that since its inception. Um <laughs> When we were back in the day, when we were doing basket weaving, um, which is where <laughs> occupational therapy started, um, so yeah, no, so I, I, I uh, with with my I guess OT um, degree, we really look at um, taking a person where they are um, and helping them develop strategies, techniques, supports, and services for them to be able to access the world as they are. So instead of necessarily trying to fix something about a person, we want them to be able to live the highest quality of life despite whatever is happening with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, we work a lot. I mean, the very the very generic and shallow version of OT that a lot of people know is um, prescribing equipment and home modifications. Um, so, you know, that is bread and butter OT. That's um, stuff that we really probably all know how to do to some extent. Uh, but... I guess the and the place where I play um, and the the more complex places when we're dealing with people with say uh, mental health illnesses or psychosocial type disabilities where um, you know equipment and home modifications definitely are the answer. Right. Um, so yeah, the I mean where I'm working now, uh, we have a a scheme in Australia called the National Disability Insurance Scheme or the NDIS. Calling it a scheme? a scheme? Scheme. Yeah. So um, it's a okay. good thing. Well, right. <laughs> They're not right. like I was, scheming. To- <laughs> I was going to say that's the first thing I think that Americans, uh, when, when I hear the word, I think of like, oh, yeah, they're running a scheme over there. Like, they're, you know, it's a bad thing for sure. Usually. Yeah. When I, I get, said it I, out loud, I did, yeah. <laughs> but if that, if, again, just, you know, it's the tomato, tomato, what you guys call it. Molly, yeah. Molly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So the NDIS, um, essentially, um, big big bucket of money, um, and uh, anyone with a disability within their requirements um, can apply for a, an NDIS plan, and um, through this plan, they can access a whole conglomerate of different services, supports, equipment, et cetera, et cetera. So doing a lot of work in the NDIS space where as an OT, um, you know, we're, I'm doing a lot of uh, functional assessments. So I'll, you know, we're meeting people with um, any sort of disability and um, over, a, you know, a course of a few different visits, we have to take a snapshot of basically their ability to function within the world, um, which is a, a daunting task, I guess, because a lot rides on that sort of assessment as far as how much funding they get, uh, what sort of supports and services a person can get access to. So um, take my job very seriously. Love my job. Um, yeah, so that's probably, I guess, the the basics of that. But the, I guess from the, the reason I got into OT and um, 
I guess then the reason that I look at it is because prior to um, going to uni, I had my own personal training business and I just found that uh, I couldn't provide um, within my scope of knowledge um, the I couldn't implement the type of change that I wanted to implement in a person's life. Um, you know, I'd sort of reached the point where I decided that anyone can make anyone work hard in a gym. Like you don't need a qualification. You don't need it. You just need a general knowledge of how, you know, what movements are what or how a person can move in space and you can make someone work hard. Um, you can make someone, you know, for all intents and purposes, lose weight or get stronger depending on where they are in their journey. Um, but I'd noticed that the problem was that people, um, you know, it was, it was behaviours, it was habits, it was routines, it was, you know, it was mental health, it was environmental factors, it was right. all of this stuff where people were coming up short. And, um, you know, I was like, well, where, you know, where can I get the knowledge and the, and the skills um, to then be able to actually help people with those things? And uh, that's where OT from a... Um, a clinical therapy perspective that's where we um, really flex our muscles I guess is that um, you know we can help people um, you know build good routines in their life to help them access you know healthy activities of daily living to improve their quality of life kind of despite where they're at so you know I'm working with people with um, you know schizophrenia obsessive compulsive disorder like you know just all the, all the things all and um, all the things. And, um, you know, I recently was working with a, with a lady who was in an uh, acute psychiatric ward mm -hmm. um, in a hospital. And, you know, the idea was to find her appropriate and safe housing. Um, so, you know, having to, um, I guess, meet someone where they're at and, and yeah. help them, you know, figure out what they need to live a high-quality life um, and, a, you know, a valuable life and a purposeful life. Um, and that's, I think, what really, what OT means to me, I guess. Interesting. Yeah, again, I, I, I don't think that would line up with a lot of Americans' experience of OT. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, generally what I've seen, and, and I would love to get some OTs on here, uh, here in America too, is... Uh, <laughs> you know, more activities of daily living uh, and yeah, signing, you know, getting them to be able to shower and uh, put on socks and things like that. Don and doff, which is the fancy way of yes. saying put on or take off. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's awesome. That's interesting. I, I thank you for sharing that. And, and, and that, does that take us to fuel move think is that kind of, yeah. Cause I know that was more recent. So tell us about your company fuel move think. So, um, yeah, that's a bit of a natural progression. So, um, like I said, had a, had a business, um, didn't know how to provide the services that I thought people needed or deserved. Um, and so that's what took me to OT. Uh, that's why I went to uni. Um, when I finished uni, you know, started thinking about how I could, you know, implement those skills and strategies um, and, you know, obviously through my short career so far, um, have learned a lot um, working with, you know, complex psychosocial disability and mental health, which is where I like to work. And, uh, yeah, how that, how that implements in, I guess, a, a gym or, you know, physical exercise setting. 
Um, and what, what I realized when I came to break things down, this is something that I think has gotten really good, at least on social media. There's a, it seems that the, the masses are understanding that it's, it's not about the time in the gym. It's about, um, you know, habits and behaviors and mindsets and mental health and things like that. They're, I guess, what drive what happens in the gym. I I'm guess what you're I, hearing that uh, be. I'm, I'm going to mute myself because there's some beeping going on. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure what the beeping is. Um, so, where was I? Yeah, so um, I've, I guess I wanted to, to dig a little bit deeper about the, I guess, like, like you've said, the why. Um, and I wanted to figure out what, what creates a why because, you know, obviously having been a personal trainer for a period of time and, and as an OT, you know, you see a lot of goals. Um, you know, people come to you and say, I want to lose X amount of weight. I want to be able to lift X amount of weight. Um, you know, or even in, in OT, it's like, oh, I want to, I want to get back to um, working at, at, you know, this job or I want to um, be able to do this activity again. And the problem is that sometimes the goals, although excellent, um, aren't realistic. And the reason they're real, they aren't realistic is because what happens is that a person has created a goal that's, um, I guess, powered by um, the values of a person that they want to be and not the person that they are at the time that's not to take away from anybody um but you know a really uh simple example would be someone that wants to lose a bunch of weight um you know get get abs for summer and but they don't want to give up their you know their night out drinking on on uni night on a wednesday or they don't want to give up their their pub meal and and beer on a saturday night um and so there's just a few things that don't align and so whether the goal is then realistic um, to who they want to be. And so when I, I guess, thought about that and working with people, developed the idea that it's not, it's not even about the habits and behaviours because uh, you can tell people to do things all you want, but whether they do them or not um, still comes down to their values. It's, it's about who they want to be and how they want to be perceived by the world and by themselves. And so I guess Fuel Move Think came about um, and I guess the underlying foundational framework of the whole concept of Fuel Move Think is that we want to give people a strong foundational set of values of the person that they want to be. And I want them to make sense. So we want people to be really upfront and honest, and this includes myself, I do it all the time, about who they are. Like who, who are you? What, what values do you have? Um, what behaviours do you participate in as a person right now? And then I want you to think of the, the ideal you, who that person is, what sort of behaviours they participate in, what sort of values that person has. And then, you know, the, then it just becomes reflection and habit building mm-hmm. because it's really easy once you've got goals that are values because you can then go during the day you know, one of my values is to be kind. 
Um, but today um, I stood in a circle and gossiped about somebody behind their back. Right. Um, and it's like, well, that doesn't align. And, you know, so at the end of the day, you know, the idea is a bit of reflection. You write down the things, all the behaviours and activities that you participated in during that day that didn't align with the values of the person that you want to be. And then it makes it a really more streamlined approach and that applies to anything. Yeah. Um, you know, I found that, you know, that people want to lose weight, um, but, you know, they've got a really bad relationship with food um and so we've got you know the person that that looks the way that they want to look you know has has a good relationship with food and so you know what are the things that we need to do to get you there so it's about really you know working on the small things and then the big things almost happen by accident um and i guess from that perspective you know i i really like um working with people um you know, in the gym, obviously, I enjoy coaching people. I enjoy coaching movement um, still, but I really like educating people and helping people figure out, um, I guess, who they are and who they want to be. And so that's, I guess, what Fuel Move Think was was born of, really, is that I want I want people to be able to, I guess, work those things out and then be able to work towards it by themselves. I want to take away their dependence on external services Mm-hmm. So many people get caught up on, you know, I, I need, I need my personal trainer. Right. Um, you know, it's like, well, let's, you know, let's give you the skills that you, that you don't so that when you go on holiday, you don't freak out. Right. You know, let's, you know, you, you need a gym. It's like, well, let's give you the skills so that again, like when you're away from your gym, you you know, you've still got the, the drive and the knowledge to want to continue your journey. Because I mean, we see it all the time. People, People get taken out of their environment and um, everything falls apart right. because they don't have the, the foundation underneath. You know, they can't go to their gym or they can't eat food from their fridge. So mm-hmm. all these, you know, all these really good habits just disappear. And so yeah. it's giving them the, the underlying values of why they're doing these things and not just because I want to lose weight. Or it t- it takes a lot to say no to cake at a wedding. Not that everyone, needs, not that everyone needs to, you know. But it's understanding. Well, that's right. And that's yeah. the point. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's understanding, uh, you know, should I have that cake? Does it align with my values? Right now, I want to lose weight. Is that cake going to be the difference between, you know, getting to my goal or not? Uh, but, yeah, it, that's a, it's a really important thing for sure uh, and something I incorporate in, in a lot of my coaching as well. Um, I, I, I would say I haven't even like, we don't even touch on a lot of that because I know you have a lot of that stuff lined up. So, you know, I check in, I try to check in every now and then on like, how's your stress? How's your sleep? He has a kid coming. So there's a lot, a lot going on. It is uh, 5.30 <laughs> in the morning there now. Oh, well, it's quarter uh, past six now. We've been talking okay. for a while. Yes. yes. <laughs> when we started, it was 5.30. Uh, but yeah, like uh, for me, it's 11.15 uh, in the, in the morning, pre-noon, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, uh, I'm still kind of waking up too, but you know, different lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. Different lifestyle. Um, courses courses. yeah, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> is that an Australian thing? <laughs> Must be. Look, I don't know. What, I just say things to what you now. Ho- horses for courses. I mean, so different race horses for different types of, um, like race ah, horses. Okay. That, that makes sense. 
Yeah, we're, tr- we're trying to abolish horse racing over here. Mm. Is that a thing in America? Do you race horses? Horse racing, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah? Okay. I never see it. I never see it as an American thing. Um, there's a big thing where like people gamble on it. You go down to yes. the, the racetrack. Yeah, um, we've got the TAB in Australia. You go down to the tab, place yeah. a bet. I, I can't. It was OTB, off-track betting. Okay. Is, is, yep. And you sit there and they have all the different stuff and you can always you know, do the little... Car. I've never really done it. Sea uh, Biscuit, though. Sea Biscuit's a big thing. Yeah. That movie yep. with, yeah. It's America. And they do the, uh, what is there it? The Triple go. Crown. The Triple Crown is a big thing. Okay. You know, yep. yeah, we got the Melbourne big... Cup. It's called the, the Race That Stops a Nation. The Melbourne uh, Cup. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Bit of Australian history. <laughs> and the big, the big one, I think the third of the Triple Crown here is the Kentucky Derby. And that's where everyone oh, has yeah. these gaudy hats that are like yeah. you know women have and so that's that's a thing for sure for sure it's a thing cool cool if i had a thought about it that probably would have made sense if i thought it's mainly from movies to be courses honest though courses courses for courses there you go new one for you all right i don't think i'll be implementing it but now i know <laughs> it comes up in trivia here cool man um what so what's next you got a lot going on baby's coming <clears throat> Um, yeah, I think is gro- is growing. That's the plan. So I'm actually, um, I don't think I've said this publicly yet, but um, I'm. Um, this doesn't really count as public. You get like five people watching this. You know, five people is five more than the public. five I've already told. I guess, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I uh, am actually looking to pull back on my day job uh, as an OT. So. You know, I've, I've over a few years, I've obviously had the opportunity to work, to work um, for a private company and work with a variety of clients in a variety of settings, which has been fantastic for me to, um, you know, develop some skills, see how other people work, see a lot of. Were you the one course for those many courses? Is that is that a proper use of the? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But my skill set was appropriate for the clientele, so I was the horse for the course. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I recently, you know, I've been having, a, I guess, a big think um, about what, um, you know, what I, I guess I want my life to look like and why, why I did OT in the beginning, I guess, going back to the, the roots of, of the why again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did it because I wanted to, to provide a really well-rounded holistic service I guess, within my own framework. Um, and I've found that, you know, with the, the people that I've worked for is that there's always going to be some kind of mismatch um, when you're working with or working for somebody else. I've found that you're always going to not necessarily butt heads, but there's always going to be something that doesn't align perfectly. Um, mm-hmm. if, and, and at some point, good enough isn't good enough. Right. Um, so yeah, pulling back, I guess, time in my in my day job to yeah, commit some more time and effort to actually developing Fuel Move Think into a legitimate thing. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, it's been a very spare time gig. Um, so yeah, going to be putting in some time to actually bulk that out, provide or be, have the capacity to provide more face to face services, but also develop, um, I guess, my online capacity as well, so I can work with people online and and hopefully actually, uh, I guess, bulk out um, 
you know, the kind of clientele I'm working with in the spaces that I want to work with them. So, you know, actually helping people, um, you know, develop um, those, those, you know, those values, those habits, those behaviours and not, you know, not just train them in a gym. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, really provide, I guess, that really well-rounded, holistic, I guess, health, wellness, fitness um, service. Right. So that's that's the end goal. Um, yeah. So I've, um, I'm pretty excited, um, to be honest. I've, you know, I've got some great, great people on side um, that, you know, help out. I've got, um, do a bit of a shout out, Nathan or Nate um, from Unbroken, who does all my apparel. Um, he um, has his own apparel company, Unbroken, and they're very aligned in that mental health space as well. Um, so, you know, we've, we've been working together for a little while now and, um, you know, definitely looking to, to collab with him and, um, you know, in that mental health space too. So that's somewhere that we're both really passionate about, which is cool. Yeah. And yeah, so that's, um, that's where we're going. Pretty pumped. Sounds exciting, man. Excited to see your journey. Uh, tell people where they can find you. Cool. So at the moment, um, you know, Facebook and Instagram um, at Fuel Move Think. Um, in the process of developing a website so that you can see what we're all about, but that'll be um, fuelmovethink.com.au um, when it gets up and running. So um, if you give us a follow on the old Insta on the socials, um, you'll see once we've um, launched the website, get all the services up and running properly, and yeah, come along for the journey. Very cool, man. I didn't know uh, you have the the periods between each word, but I guess that doesn't matter for the search. Yeah, it will it will come up. Yeah, so it's fuel dot move dot think technically, but but yeah, it definitely is as fun to say, but it still comes up as it fuel does. move thing. Yeah. <laughs> it looks and, like this. Uh, there, yeah, there you go. Over here, it's a little it's a little more purpley. It purple is. one. All right, guys. Well, thank you, Ma- Molly. Almost did it again. <laughs> Molly, Molly, sexy Lexi. Is, yeah, my dog is Lexi, so he's sexy Lexi. So sexy you're Molly, Lexi. Molly, Molly, Molly. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for joining. I hope folks got my something pleasure. out of this journey. Um, yeah, folks want to reach out to either one of us. Uh, our info should be down below somewhere. Uh, if you're listening to this on podcast, there should be stuff in the show notes. If not, let me know, comment, and tell me. Hey, where's all the links? I'll get them out there. Anyway, guys, get 1% better. Uh, Molly's going to go do my workout that I sent him uh, right after this. Uh, so right. going to do some heavy squat cleans, faces fierce, um, and that'll be that. So wherever you're watching from or listening from, peace out, guys, and uh, talk to you soon. All right. Ciao. Thank you.